What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, Season 1, Episode 5. My name is James Scully. Today's topic on the podcast is how to feel confident and get to yes in a professional environment. And so to elaborate on that topic, we've got nightlife promoter and bar manager Tom Moriello on the podcast. And with Tom, we talk about certain things like what's the best way to have an ego in business, which, by the way, is to have no ego and to be humble and realize that you don't know nearly as much as you think you do. Why it's necessary to do your research and homework to feel confident during a pitch. And remember, the point is that no matter who you are, no matter what business you're in, at some point in time, you're going to have to approach a client, a superior, a boss, and have to get them to think that the idea that you want to push across is one that they should go with. So Tom is somebody who has had both experience on the football field. He's had experience in the boxing ring. So he is a battle-tested person who has an innate sense of confidence in himself when the going gets tough. Tom also works for a corporate company while managing a bar. So he has experience dealing with corporate people in the office and also dealing with bar patrons on a day-to-day basis. He's somebody who has a lot of confidence talking to people. There are going to be times in your life that you're going to get knocked down a few pegs because you think you know more than you do. But if you go into it with no ego, humble, ready to learn, you'll be like a sponge absorbing what's around you, ready for everything that the world throws at you. And any of the insecurities that you might be feeling at that moment won't be existent because you'll be too busy thinking about what's around you to worry about thinking about what's inside your head. One thing that Tommy also talks about is the best way to feel confident in a pitch is to make sure that you do the research and you do the homework that's at your disposal. Don't go into a meeting thinking that you're going to tell people who've been doing something 10, 20, 30 years that they should change everything just because you say so. You've got to have facts to back your ideas up. Another thing that Tommy and I talk about are how important it is to do something that you naturally feel passionate about in your life because you're going to be more inclined to do all of those things and just be better at it in general because you're going to care. Another thing that we talk about is the importance of knowing your client or boss's past successes to lead them towards the successes you want to try to achieve into the future. Another thing that we talk about is why quitting or failure is actually not necessarily throwing in the towel on something that you hate. It's continuously doing something that you hate every day. If you work at a job that you are miserable going to and you feel like you are lost or uh, you feel like you don't have the courage to do anything about it, that is actually throwing in the towel because you're throwing in the towel on your own life and you as a person are worth more than that. And one of the other things that we talk about is the importance of your ideas being marketable and generating revenue in the real world because the truth is that we all have to earn bread to put bread on the table. So you can have the greatest idea in the world, but if you can't market it, then it's really not that great of an idea because it needs to have all kinds of facets. And finally, we talk about why Tommy's motto is educate, entertain, and retain and how that can help you going forward in your own life. One of the other things that I quickly want to talk about is the GoFundMe campaign that the Wall Breakers have launched and are in the middle of running. I want to say thank you to the people who have donated so far, and thank you to all the people who will donate in the future. The GoFundMe campaign is running until November 21st. We are going to relaunch the community as a true, custom, creative content hub, and the plan is to do so on February 1st, 2015, the three-year anniversary of the original Wall Breakers launch. Some of the things that we've now included on that GoFundMe campaign page, and I want to say thank you in particular to Carolyn Zhao of New York City, who had given me great advice last Saturday on some of the things that I could do to improve the interaction with the GoFundMe campaign. This is the first time that I've done anything like this, and a lot of you guys have already had successful crowdsource campaigns, and thank you for so readily sharing the information that you've learned through your own experiences, because that is what the Wall Breakers community is all about. It's shared information for the greater whole so that we can all get the things that we want in life and all feel like we're part of something bigger. 
And just so you know that if you donate $25 or up to $199, we'll give you five personalized tips for your career or your passions. We'll sit down, we'll talk to you, and we'll figure out how to give you those five things that you need. If you donate 200 or more dollars towards the cause, we'll actually sit down and give you our time with one-on-one -on -one career advice, which is separate from what's already going to be going on on the site as it is. We'll sit down with you, John Doe, and talk to you about what you want out of life, and we'll see what we can do to get you connected with the right people if Lena and I can't directly answer those questions for ourselves, because that's what a community means to me as well. So once again, I just want to say thank you to you guys for your donations, and thank you for the continued donations. This campaign is running to November 21st. We're trying to raise $25,000 to help us with the relaunch of the community. So if you go to the GoFundMe page, you'll actually see all the details that we're trying to relaunch the community with. And just to quickly surmise that, that is high quality audio and video interviews with recognizable expert professionals where we get you from question to answer with tangible real world solutions. And you can and should submit us questions on a monthly basis for the next month's expert professional. We'll also have skill building and instructional how-tos to help you break through those walls. These tools will be created by both the Wall Breakers team and the community. You're looking to figure something out and you don't know how to do it? Boom! Here we are to help you break through that wall. We'll also have weekly creative challenges for you, the community. We do something creative. We upload it and challenge you to get involved and do something similar and just create that collaborative environment where we're all sharing creative information. Also, contests and competitions to showcase influential work. And we'll be reaching out, by the way, to physical gallery spaces, forming digital partnerships with other blogs and other art communities out there on the web. And we'll also be housing wall-breaking content at thewallbreakers.com. And finally, season two of Breaking Walls, the Wall Breakers podcast will be premiering around the time that we relaunch the website. And you know what the deal is with Breaking Walls at this point. We're going to center interviews around helpful topics like today's interview with Tom Moriello, which is centered around getting to yes in a professional environment or in a pitch setting. So coming right up, we have that interview with Tom. And before we get to that, I want to give you a chance to hear these important messages from our sponsors. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with Tom Moriello after this. Tell me, mister, how many times a day do you have to comb your hair? Not many, I'll bet, if you groom it right, first thing every morning, with Wild Root Cream Oil. For this famous hair tonic grooms your hair neatly and naturally, and helps it to stay that way throughout the day. Wild Root Cream Oil also relieves dryness and removes loose dandruff. With Wild Root Cream Oil, you don't have to keep combing your hair every two minutes. <laughs> that is, unless your gal can't resist running her hands through it. Get Wild Root Cream Oil Hair Tonic. Again and again, the choice of men who put good grooming first. All right, guys, back on the podcast with Tom Moriello here. And Tom is the general manager of the bar known as Whiskey Park, New York, on the corner of Central Park South and 6th Avenue. It's a prime spot. And what we wanted to talk to Tommy about today was, uh, you know, approaching bosses or clients in a manner and basically pitching your ideas to them in a way that could get you what you want. And Tom comes from a team sport background and also an individual sport background because he's played both football at a collegiate level and he's also done the Golden Gloves boxing tournament. So he is somebody who's had experience having to do something on their own and also somebody who's had experience working with a team to get a goal for themselves done. So Tommy has taken that sports career and turned it into a, uh, a managerial position right now at Whiskey Park. And my initial question would be, is that accurate, what I just said? Would you say that a lot of the things that you've learned on the football field and in boxing, both from an individual sports standpoint and a team sports standpoint, have in turn helped you in the business setting to accomplish your goals? 100%. 
And the reason why I say that is I relate everything that I do in life to football. And just the people that I've met, the coaches that I've met, situations that I've been in on the field, I always correlate with what's going on. And being an individual sport, having that sport ego, it's always about winning. So it's not necessarily succeeding. It's always about winning and losing. And then and in a bar atmosphere, that's kind of like, from a, a personal standpoint, you want to make sure that you're doing a good job and getting promotions and things like that. But from a team standpoint, that's going to happen if the bar is running like a well-oiled machine, obviously. So, exactly. You have to put points on the board. So points yeah. on the board, in that case, means cash and asses in the seats. And it's almost like from an ego standpoint, the best way to have the big ego, i.e. success, is to have no ego. Check your ego. If you really want that, to, to be able to have the success that would come with that ego. 100%. It's a fine line between confidence and having big ego and saying right. that I'm that much better than everyone else because it is a very competitive market. There are a lot of people out there trying to do the exact same thing that we do. Exactly. So when you go into a, uh, a corporate pitch like you've done, we should say also that the owner of Whiskey Park is the Gerber Group and they own several commodities internationally, correct? Yes. So when you go into a, a pitch with your main boss, what are some things that you've done in the past that you've learned from immediately? You know, what was something that you did and you said, oh, like looking back, you say, well, there's no wonder why that, was, I, that wasn't successful because I didn't know that until I did that. Going in at any meeting, especially something like that, is always intimidating being that I never saw myself falling into this role, and this is the role that is my career now, what I'm making a living off of. I was intimidated with every meeting that I ever went into. It's just, it doesn't matter. I'll go against the biggest man on the football field or fight the biggest guy in the ring. When you're sitting down in a meeting with a suit, the person across the table from you is just as intimidating. So the biggest mistake that I've made is not doing my homework or research. I know that I'm a smart kid, but some of the ideas that I first had weren't original ideas and they've crashed and burned numerous times over all around so the biggest thing that i've learned my biggest mistakes early on were coming to meetings with just bs ideas like i thought they were great but i didn't fully think them out and the longevity of the idea mm -hmm. and how it would make us look and how it would be under the banner so, and it's not my idea I take ownership of my bar. I call it mine. It's my baby. I love it. But I'm still under the corporate overhead, you know? So it's not representing me. If this fails, I don't fail, even though that I feel that I did. This is my idea. But the Derby group fails. Whiskey Park fails. So it's not just me right. saying it. I am representing a very high-level company. I had to set industry standards. Right. So going in there, the stuff that I like, they don't necessarily like. There's not many people in my industry that like pro wrestling, comic books, boxing, and weird movies. I had to understand not only my bosses, but my clientele, grow up and truly understand what I'm doing. Right. If you wanted to pitch an idea about a comic book or a pro wrestling theme, that's where the homework comes in. You have to go in and say, well, look, guys, throughout the city, you know, these pro wrestling parties have been making X amount of dollars or whatever. Or, you know, like you were starting to say earlier, doing the kind of homework where you know going in this idea is original because I've been on trends following this and I've come to the genesis of my idea because I know that all these things have happened, but this hasn't happened. It's facts. You need facts to back up your ideas. So if you don't want to be intimidated, do your homework because you'll just know going in, but why would you feel intimidated if you know what you're talking about? I have about. an answer to any question that you throw back Right, and that's interesting because that goes towards another interview that I did with Brett Affronti, and he basically said, as an illustrator, never show the idea that you don't want to do. 
because that's the one that they're going to talk to you about or pick. I'll only go on to your best, yeah. basically, so that you do feel confident. Don't feel intimidated about it. That's probably accurate. You only want to talk about things that you're confident in. Why talk about something you're like, yeah, that, that sucks. And I know it sucks, but I had to bring it up. I had to put another bullet point on something for our meeting and not just have this one thing that I was pitching and doing. So what would you say then are some ways that in knowing those kinds of situations that come up where you have to blow out the amount of ideas, but there's one that you really feel strongly about. How do you steer your bosses towards that idea? Is it just enthusiasm and knowing the facts on that one? Or, or what are some what are some buzzwords, things that you try to do psychologically have this go in your favor? Psychologically is know what has worked for them in the past and make a direct correlation with what you're trying to do. Okay. So this project worked. Mine is completely different, but in the end game is exactly the same. We're going to target a different audience. We're going to target a different group of clientele. We're going to try to retain another group. So just like how, say, we were the first company to have fresh muddled wines and mint in Mojito. That's an industry standard they started off at. If I could work off of those coattails with something, so when I first came to the bar, considering the bar has eight TVs, I go to a sports bar. I'm a sports guy, so I put all my eggs in one basket. We're going to be a sports bar. What goes great in sports bars? Craft beers. Everyone loves craft beers. I have a very strong knowledge of craft beers. I know a lot of people in the beer industry. I've got some really fun stuff, some local breweries, some things that people have never even heard of before. Really fun stuff. Pitch sports in the bar like it's never been pitched before. Because I'm a sports guy, speaking the language of sports fans that really know sports. Home so, run. So one thing you would immediately say is, obviously, come up with ideas that you care about. Because then you're going to know what you're talking about, because it's already going to be something that's ingrained. And you're not exactly. trying to, it's not like an arranged marriage or something where you're yeah. trying to learn to love something. So when I, how we led the industry in one way with the videos, now we're going to do with craft beers. Right. And we're going to be the sports bar. Right. And so, idea. Because okay. <laughs> I realized that the people that I was dealing with and the clientele that I had, they like sports, but they're not sports fans. So I got you. We, how you and I could sit down and break down a Yankee game or a Jets game or a Giants game in depth. They just say, "Oh, the Jets playing, cool." No idea what's going on in the field. They have no idea what they're drinking. Their taste buds aren't going towards a six-point coffee stout beer. Mm-hmm. They're going to stick to what they know. They've been drinking. Bud, Bud Light, Amstel Light for years, and that's not going to change. So, so you, it was my initial idea, and we tried it, and it didn't work. One of the things that you said earlier was make sure that you talk to your bosses about what they know. So in a way, it's almost like don't plant a new tree, have a branch on the same tree come on, so that you can hearken or refer back to like this crazier so that you're constantly, almost in a way, leaving a client or leaving that guy's hand so that he feels comfortable in trusting your brain with an idea. Yes, but not only my boss, but my client. Right, absolutely. If I sit down and tell somebody what goes into the year and how it is, not only me, but my staff, my waitresses, and my bartenders, they know what it is and they know how to push a product. That particular thing didn't work, but that's what led me into the whole Disney craze. Okay, so then talk to me about not being afraid to fail and learning. You started to talk about that just now and why your clients at the bar, customers, crap beer wasn't their thing. They're used to drinking cocktails, alcohol, spirits, liquor, but they would be more convinced to have a glass of whiskey than a craft beer. And so why is that? What did you learn? Now, I realized that when I initially had a good idea, it just wasn't the right location for it. Okay. If I were to try to do that, maybe at a place downtown, it would have worked. 
Mm-hmm. But again, like I said, do your research, and I didn't fully research. I didn't look at my beer cells compared to my liquor cells for months. You got to see all this stuff. There's so much that goes into it. It's actually a science. And what's great being with the big companies that all of this stuff is documented for years in the past. We have an amazing data system. I need to go back and I can tell you the amount of Budweiser's that I served on May 6, 2006. You know, which like right. is wild. Yeah. So you look back and you look at trends and you see what's going on. And I realized what people drank at my bar. So Johnny Walker, McCallan, Jack Daniels, Nathan Mark, all this stuff was a top seller. I realized that every person that came in here was like, oh, we're at Whiskey Park. What type of whiskey do you have? We're not a whiskey bar. We got our name from a Jim Morrison song. We weren't here to sell whiskey. We were here to say, show me the way to the next whiskey bar. But people don't know that. <laughs> and people don't understand that. And they see the word whiskey and right. automatically want to drink whiskey. But now with the popularity of whiskey, people have been introduced into a whole new world of cocktails in the whole new world of spirits. This is what you see when you go out and drink it away. Oh, I like whiskey. Why do you like that whiskey? Why do you like bourbon compared to rye? Oh, what's the difference? People don't know. Right. So the way having three years now of working in the industry, my number one hobby being called a foodie, but I love going out. I love trying new places and I love going and being served. My favorite part about going to a restaurant is sitting down and asking the server, what should I get? Why are you guys so busy? Sure. What does everyone come to get? Right. You know? Mm-hmm. My night is won or lost. I have the answer to that question on my server. Okay. When a server looks at you like, oh, you're an idiot. You know, like, why are you taking orders and why, right. why is this place doing so well? And that goes back to the earlier point about doing your homework before you talk to somebody. So that yeah. In that case, you are the client. Exactly. And you want somebody to... Call it market research. Right. But I'm learning every time that I'm out. Sure. Because people Absolutely. are doing this... Like I said, it's a very competitive industry. You all over the place. And that still goes back to the idea that because you care about whiskey, you like to drink it, you understand about the way that you would pair certain alcohols with certain foods and how you should go about that. That passion that you have, you can take it and using the analytical tools that you have at your disposal, you know, this database Together they go, and that's when you walk into a meeting and you know what you're talking about then, you feel confident. So I guess that means that it's basically 50% you caring about it and enjoying it, and 50% you doing your homework so you know what you're talking about at the same time. I think it's 100% caring about it, because you wouldn't do your homework if you didn't care about Yeah, that's true. That's you a know, good point, yeah. You have to have something you're passionate about. I am very passionate about the bar. I love my venue. I really do. I've worked at every bar in the company. Whiskey Park has always been my home. Because that's where I started, and I just really love it. And then I also do love whiskey. I also love talking to people and meeting new people. What I don't love is being looked down upon. These guys come in here that make significantly more money than me, and kind of looking down at me. That's the one thing I don't like about the job. So, how do I relate to these people? I'm not going to be able to sit down and relate to them, so I'm going to think they're obnoxious. I'm going to do it. I'm going to educate them on something they have no idea about. And because, that's why they're going to come And that's something that it just happens to be that you care about it. Exactly. And I can, I'm very passionate about it. So then to go to the overarching theme of people's fears about going to pitch something, having to talk to a client and not feeling comfortable early on doing that and developing that comfort. Basically, people should be trying to do things that they care about because they'll feel way more comfortable talking about it and pitching somebody if they care about it. You have to love it. You have to. My high school football coach said it best. At his retirement dinner, if you love what you do, it'll never be worth it. So I came from a program that showed you not to quit. 
Right. You know, I was a five foot ten, two hundred and twenty pound nose guard in the center, getting my ass kicked every play, but it showed me not to quit. My harder I fought, my harder I prepared, the better I got. So, and that's definitely a skill that you learned while playing football at a young age, is that there are times that you're going to get knocked down. That's just life. But if you keep coming, then there's really, failure is just choosing to stop, essentially. 100%. So if, if you can get it into your mind that you don't fear the failure, or, and that goes back in a way to going and pitching something to a client or talking to somebody, if you're not afraid that this client isn't, if, if you walk into a meeting and you people are afraid that your boss is going to say no, chances are he would say no, because... You don't believe in yourself then, you know, so. And that was 99.9% of the time when I spoke to people when I first started this job. I know what I was doing. You know, I was, I went from being a bouncer to a babysitter assistant manager to now I'm running the place. Right. Oh, this is all good and dandy, but now I really got to figure out why I'm running the place and what I'm going to do to generate money. Right. At the end of the day, with anything, no matter what it is, is that bottom line, what we're taking home, what we're making money on. Mm -hmm. So all the ideas in the world can be great. You get very smart people that have amazing ideas. It's what are you going to get out of it? How are you going to get paid? How are you going to generate revenue from those good ideas? Okay, so let's talk about that. Well, here, first, just kind of a trick question. Do you regret any of that? Going from bouncer to assistant manager to manager? Absolutely not. The way I've grown up in the last five years working in this company, I've learned more there than I have learned in school. Okay, it's, it's so, and, that, and that's kind of the key word that I was hoping you'd say growth, you know, you have to take chances in order to grow 100%. and be willing to put it on a line and fail in order to grow. But let's go back for a second and talk. You mentioned uh, finances and, and money and having to generate a revenue. Knowing that the bottom line is everything and being directly affected by it, how does that affect your decisions when you make them? Whether they be to change the color of a coaster toward a new assistant manager or, you know, from the smallest thing to the largest thing. Besides the homework, how do you, I guess my question is, how do you keep sane and confident that you don't have to overanalyze everything, but you know what you're doing in your mind? Let's do that. If it ain't broke, don't fix it, etc. How do you stay on top of that? In my bar, it's much different. We do stay with trends, but at the end of the day, people are coming there, not for my ambiance, but for my staff. Mm -hmm. So, my staff is great. My staff is what brings back those regulars. Mm -hmm. So, my main focus is what is going back to what I said is what, what is working in the past. You can't get away from your roots because as soon as you do, people smell bullshit. And it's like, no, that's not what you do. You know, it's like a fire. If Floyd Mayweather to put his hands up and start stalking down people and trying to throw overhand lights and bombs, what is this? Who is this guy? You know, and Floyd Mayweather is the calm, cool, steady counterpuncher that is going to make you miss and pay for it. Mm -hmm. That's his bread. That's what he makes his money on. That's what makes him so good. So then to take it to like something that can be uh, tangible for everybody, it's always good to have something that you know you can rely on to generate income for yourself and use that to then be able to experiment with other things because you know, well, like, well, even if that little thing doesn't work, I've still got this thing going on. To so always have a backup plan or a plan B or never quit a job without a new job exactly. or a plan, etc. Know what your bread and butter is. 
know exactly what it is that you're, it's going to keep you going, but mask that and be able to introduce that, what you're so good at, in different ways. Right. Because years are going to pass, trends are going to go, people are going to want to drink at new places, people are going to get bored of seeing the same person. So have that same setup, but with a fresh face, and a different glass, and a different spirit in that glass. Mm-hmm. Knowing what it is, that's what they're coming there for. They're coming there for conversation, to feel good, to have fun, and just being a fun place. And it's also kind of like, in a way, what you're saying is understand all the aspects of why something is making you money or how you're making money with it so that if you know all about it and you understand it completely, you can make little facelifts to it and continue to evolve it in certain ways, like you're saying. And that's your research. Right. And that's what's doing your homework is. Mm-hmm. Because if you come in there like, oh, look at me. I'm going to change the world. I'm going to do everything. That's a great attitude. You're going to eat nothing spit up. Right. Now, if you come in saying, I would like to change the world, but mm-hmm. I'm going to respect who built this world that I'm walking into, I'm going to understand every decision that they make. I'm going to praise them for it and say, this is what you're doing great. And this is where you're going. But from my expertise and what I see, this is where we can take it now. So be humble. Very humble. Because and they know a lot more than you. Yeah. <laughs> that's absolutely true. And I think that's something that anybody who's ever done well at anything in life is going to get knocked down a couple of pegs sometimes because somebody who's a little older and wiser than them is going to say, well, hey now, fella, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, you don't know what you thought. And But it's good to go in humble because then at least if, like, so basically what, what you just said, it's almost like the quiet confidence. You should have that quiet confidence because you've done your homework and you're humble about it. And at that point in time, when you feel that way, would you say that because your ego in and of itself, you're not thinking about your ego at that moment. Are you then, because of that, more clear in what you're pitching? If somebody asks you a question, you have that answer because you're not worried about how do I look or what do they think of me or... 100%. And you're not worried about pissing them off at the end of the day. Right. Because the worst thing you want to do is going like, you suck. Everything you're doing is wrong. Wrong. Right, and you're not saying <laughs> like, that in, in words if you have that attitude. Exactly. It's like, oh, well, I've been around for 15 years. You just came here, and now you're going to tell me to switch everything. You're an idiot. You right. know, like, I, even why if, am I And even if you're right, they're not going to believe you. Exactly. you got to know that these people have been on Plymouth Rock a lot longer than you got. Respect the building. Respect the forefathers before you. So mm-hmm. it's like everything that's going on before you. You, you have to. And you have to learn from it. And you have to see the trends, see what they did to excel. Why one year did you, did you generate $5 million? The next year you generated two. And that you generated four. What was the trend then? Right. And then you look into it, it's like, oh, the market wasn't that strong. Oh, that month, the Knicks were in the playoffs. We had a strong following. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, it was the World Cup. Yeah. Not just come in there and say, oh, we have to get back to the numbers of four years ago. Right. Like, no, asshole. The market was the strongest it's ever been four years ago. And then going into the summer months, like just what I'm going through right now, it's, I'm going through growing things because of the growth of my neighborhood and bar. I'm trying to keep up with the times because there's beautiful new properties going up every day. Being the neighborhood staple. As much as people love trying new, people love staying in their comfort zones. So I want to hit on a couple of points there. I think in some ways what you're saying to me is you have to understand the rules if you want to be able to break them and go on your own. And I think the other thing that you said there in a way is that Whiskey Park is Whiskey Park. It's itself. You as a person are you. You're yourself. 
So because Whiskey Park is itself, and it's the best whiskey bar around the world, it's the, the finest time. It's a, a bar that you know you can come to and get a, a great glass of whiskey at. Because that's what it's known for, and that's what it is, no matter what goes on around it, that can stay as the constant, because people are always going to want to drink whiskey if they trust you. Yeah. And, you know, that's how, like, oh, my dad used to drink there. You know, that's how trends stay on trend, and generations, time goes by, I guess, right? I know your dad used to drink Jack Daniels and Maker's not that. You can now drink righteous bourbon and Colorado peach tree bourbon. Now. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same standard, different spirit. Yeah. When your dad was served the by evolution. Sally the bartender now, then you're being served by actually Sammy and Rachel. It's the same thing. Yeah. It's just different ways. Exactly. But it's also building around your foundation. And if you are true to yourself and know who you are, then that is your foundation. Exactly. Figure out who you are so that you're confident in all those other things. I think, and, and as I, my girlfriend told me very wisely, work smarter, not harder. Absolutely. It's very hard to destroy your foundation and try to rebuild yourself as something brand new. That's tough. Why throw in the towel and give up of all the hard work that has been done before? Let me work off of that. And that's what I've done. The parties that I've thrown, my Halloween parties for the last three years, I could say have been pretty awesome. Everyone throws a themed Halloween party. How do I change that? How do I do something special to my property? I did. You were there, the Boardwalk Empire party. Yeah. That party was excellent, and it was perfect for the bar. It went well. But to take it back for a minute about not throwing in the towel, I want to make it clear in some ways that you going from a football player to a bar manager isn't throwing in the towel. You just took the skills that you learned from there and moved them to a new opportunity, basically, you know, and continue to grow with them, too. So even if you were to change professions or someone out there was to change profession, that's not necessarily throwing in the towel. Use everything that you know. If you're at a place that you don't love, take all that you understand and bring it and find something that you do love. And don't be afraid to grow up. The biggest thing that I had going into this, I didn't want to grow up. You know, I was. Is that I why say, you wanted to work for a bar? Honestly, no. I mean, I, I left GSA. I couldn't do that job. I'd like to think that I helped push you out the door. Very true. When yeah. I came by and saw you that one time. Yeah. Like it, was, it was absolutely terrible. It, was, it just wasn't for me. God bless, I wanted to do the 95. I realized it wasn't for me. I knew what worked best for me. I am a service guy. And I have so, been for my entire life from Cerritos when we were kids at 15 years old. Would you have been able to walk into a board meeting at GSA and pitch something? Well, now the 27 year old Tommy. Yeah, well, absolutely. Not, right, but then no, no, because you didn't care. It's like I'm reading things. It looks like Swahili to me. I don't care about this. I don't care about a government lease. Zero motivation to go to work at all. I need to be motivated. Everything I've ever done in my life, I've had someone in my ear motivating me. It. Being football, I've had coaches around me. My father was a football guy. My mom, thank God, was a football mom. Helped me out. My mom packed my lunch and gave me a perfect diet to get bigger and faster and stronger. My dad gave me the tick in the ass to get to practice and say, I can listen to Coach Lano because, oh wow, you put how many guys through college? You got how many guys scholarships? Okay, maybe I should listen to this guy. I've had someone constantly kicking me in the ass. And I love doing it. I love playing football. I got to college, didn't really love it as much. I did throw in the towel. But that decision was the first grown-up decision that I ever made, was quitting football. Because I knew that it wasn't for me, and I knew it wasn't good for me. Okay, and that, to me, to throw in the towel almost would be to do what you don't want to do. You're throwing in the towel on dreams and happiness thing. 
Exactly. You're not quitting. You're saying, you know what? That's not me. That's that's not what I want to do. I didn't want to be a football player at CW Pros and wait five years to to see the field. I personally thought I was better than that. But looking back now, I, maybe I wasn't. You know, maybe these kids were better than me than I thought. Whatever. At the end of the day, I didn't care. I didn't want to play for them. So I came home and I'm like, you know what? I'll work for GSA. It sounds cool. I'm a patriot. I love working for our government. I got on. Very excited to have my first real job. I'm off of my parents' health care. Developing a 401k at 19 years old. This is awesome. It sucked. It wasn't for me. It wasn't motivating. Back to what we were saying before, you got to love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You gotta really enjoy it. You gotta wake up one and go to work. I can't fucking wait to get to my job. You know what I'm gonna do today? I'm gonna crush it. I'm gonna come up with this plan. I'm gonna develop all the stuff. I'm gonna do my research. And in the week, I'm gonna have a perfect ideal plan to go into my business season in November. I'm gonna attack it and I'm gonna crush last year's numbers. But I think all of that comes about because you said what you said something earlier in that you said I thought I was better than those kids that were playing ahead of me you understood your self-worth like you had been you loved football but you also played it a long time because that was like the thing that you were supposed to do and you understanding that it was kind of like the end of the line in terms of enjoyment that I've gone as far as I can go and I don't love football anymore and that's ruining football for me in general because I don't love it and I'm supposed to you realize that your self-worth was better than that and you left so it's almost like the same thing with the government. Right, exactly. I'm better than this. I, I it was a great job and I love you that I worked with and I wish them the best one possible. It wasn't for me. Right. I didn't love it. And I wasn't gonna sit there and be fucking miserable for the next thirty years from waiting for retirement at thirty years old, you know? Mm-hmm. And shoot me in the face and wants to fucking do that. And I think that you can kind of like say that as almost like look in the mirror and understand that your self-worth is high enough that you deserve to go figure out what you love and figure yourself out. You know, I mean, if you don't believe in yourself, you'll never take the time to figure yourself out. You'll constantly be worried about what everybody else thinks about you because you don't believe in yourself or something. You know what I mean? So like you need self-confidence more than anything. Right. So, and that ties into a meeting situation again, not that that's, we've kind of deviated from that, this is a good thing. If you believe in yourself and you don't think that you're a piss on and you love what you do, you'll have confidence, but they're all kind of the part of the same thing. It's not like one, two, three, it's a circle. It's a, it's a cycle there that those things will feed positively into each other in a positive thought. Positive energy is Confidence is not easy to come by. What I realized coming to this bar and some of the managers that I work with the things that came so easy to me are so difficult with other people. People are petrified of confrontation. People do not like speaking to public. People do not like talking to people that they don't know. Nine times out of ten, when I have to work and be the manager, it's because someone's pissed off. You know, it's I'm going there to rectify a problem. Mm-hmm. This drink sucked. What's wrong with it? It's way too strong. Oh, okay, well you ordered a Manhattan that is all liquor. Like, what did you expect? You have to talk to people. You have to understand what's getting them mad. Going into a situation where I felt like I was the boxer bouncer, or I was Wrecked <laughs> Ralph, you know? I wasn't doing anything. But the things that came naturally to me were things that were very strong tools to have being a manager. Mm-hmm. So with the manager that I worked for, he brought that out, and he saw that potential in me, and he helped me out a lot. I was like, you know what? Maybe I can do this. Maybe 18 hours as a bouncer, but maybe 24 hours as a manager doing the same thing. College educated, I could do this stuff, so let me try it. You know, and I put the full core press onto my powers of B and I was able to get the opportunity and I just kept running with it. 
at the end of the day, it's in a corporate atmosphere. You got to treat it all like school. Okay. You're getting, you're getting paid to go to school. Oh, as, as in like you have to be open to learning all the time. 100%. You don't know anything. When you go in there with that attitude of, I know a little bit about a lot, you're going to be a lot more successful. Because just like what I said, like, oh, I'll come, I got this idea, I got that idea. We're going to be a craft beer sports bar. Boom. I'm stuffed with a full inventory of craft beers with no one knowing what's going on with sports. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it didn't work. It was a cool idea, but it just didn't work. Because you didn't do the proper research. Exactly. Now it humbled me right. once again, just like going into coming out of training camp and you feel jacked. And you're bench pressing the world. And you're making every tackle possible in practice. And you're going against your first test and your real live scrimmage. You get the shit at that. It's like, oh, maybe I'll have that good. You're in the boxing ring and you know you're crisp and your punches are landing so good on the bag on pads and you get knocked the fuck out and sparring. Now let's go back to the drawing board. Right, so exactly. I've, every day that I've been with this company, I've learned. Every day I've talked with someone different. I meet someone different on a daily basis. It's so cool. And from there, I have grown. I've educated myself through the people that I meet, through the other managers that I meet, through the other people in the group. And of course, from my manager partners, my direct bosses, because I respect these guys. And I understand the hard work they do. I see it on a daily basis. I enjoy working for them because no one works harder than them. They show face. Rather than someone that's sitting behind a desk saying, no, you do it because I've been doing this for 15 years. Well, what have you been doing for 15 years? That's none of your business. Whereas these guys, they're about working. They're about making money. They're not about hoping for retirement and reaching their pension. They're about getting the most amount of money as possible. So you have to understand that for your bosses. You don't want to become complacent because your bosses aren't complacent. Your boss puts in 90 hours a week. You should be putting in 98, you know, because he's paying you. You can't work 30 hours a week when he's working 80 and expect him to respect you. But so I guess that goes also to what, in a lot of ways, what you're saying is just you have to be open to learning new skills, continuously learning. You have to be willing to work hard, otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. Research is everything. Right. Be humble. And you know that you know a little, a little about a lot. Yeah, and you know, and it's funny that because these we're talking specifically about work environments and pitching things. I think a lot of this is just good human quality too. Like as a person, no matter what you're doing, these are qualities that you should probably want to embody. Because who likes slothful, arrogant, lazy idiots? Like exactly. you know what I mean. So if you aren't those things that we just said, you're willing to learn, skilled, you're those other things. That are good qualities, but so yeah, I think that's just funny that that's come up as we're talking. Yeah. And we were specifically talking about how to pitch in a work environment. In order to continue winning, being a boxing fan, you got to stay in the gym, you got to stay training, you got to realize what's going on. So right, and you and like we were just saying before, you never want to be complacent because if you are standing still, somebody else is moving forward. You constantly have to be moving forward. But people, they won't be intimidated by that if they're doing what they love because they're going to want to keep moving forward because it's just what they love anyway. Exactly, but it's for someone to come into the bar. So I haven't seen you in three weeks. What's going on? Oh, well, I got this new product. Oh, yeah? Let me try it. So that's... Yeah, be open to discovery. My thing now, and what I've pushed on my staff, and I want everyone to be doing, educate, entertain, detail. Okay, now explain that. I want someone to come into that bar. Hey, what's up, man? Why did you jack? Oh, I just like bourbon. Oh, yeah, you like bourbon. Have you ever gone outside the box with it? You have a very good bourbon selection. Oh, yeah? Well, if you could, like jack, I think you would like the open taste of this one. When you educate that on a better product than Jack Daniels. Mm -hmm. Jack Daniels is a great product. Obviously, it's been around for years. It's really good. But there's other stuff out there that is better. Right. You have to tell them why they're better. 
in that way, you're basically holding their hand as you widen their palate and make them more open-minded. Exactly. And when you're doing that, you're entertaining. So, like, they're getting knowledge and they're being entertained. Cool. This waitress really took a liking to me and she broadened my horizons. For exactly. And if you know what you're talking about, it's easy to entertain somebody else because you know it so well that you can spin it in a positive way. Exactly. It's real. It's, it comes natural. It's not forced. It's not me reading from my notepad and uh, special today is a... Oh, it says lamb. You know, like it's... Yeah. No, I'm telling you right off the top of my head what you're going to be drinking tonight and why you're going to enjoy it and why you're going to come back and try the next product. And that's where the retention comes in. Right. I just educated you and entertained you all night giving you different spirits. I have 82 whiskeys on my backlog. I'd love to meet the guy that could do it, but you can't drink 82 whiskeys in a night. Right. So what you're going to do, you're going to go back to your office, you're going to tell your friends, you're going to go, you're going to sign a tweet, you're going to go on Facebook, I have the best whiskey in the world. Katie is the best waitress in the world. Jessica's the best waitress in the world. She knew so much about whiskey, and the manager was so great. He took care of me as well. Can't wait to go back there and try the next crop of whiskey. I think that's a fantastic little three-word memory for people to take away from here. Educate, entertain, retain. No matter what the client is, if you educate your client, you will entertain them because you love what you're talking about, and then you will retain them. And they'll tell their friends about it, too, because you entertain them and educate them. Exactly. Do you have any uh, social media stuff that you want to plug? Um, follow us at Whiskey Park NYC. So it's W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. P-A-R-K. NYC. Follow us on Instagram, same handle, Whiskey Park NYC. You follow me on Twitter at official C underscore Mori, M-A-U-R-I. And follow us on Facebook, Whiskey Park New York. Follow the Gerber Group, follow the Roof, follow Stone Rose, Whiskey Blue, LCL Bar and Kitchen, which is excellent if you're in Midtown. Follow 201 Park Avenue. And if they want great places. What's the overarching website that they could go to to find all of those other Gerberbars.com. G-E-R-B-E-R. Gerber, B-A-R-S, bars.com. Okay, uh, I want to say, <laughs> all right, I think we're done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>What an interview that was with Tommy. I do want to apologize for the audio quality in recording this interview. Tom and I used to live together, and we sat down in our living room and recorded this podcast, and the two of us together were so loud that we were overly worried about being too loud on the podcast that we actually sat too far away from the recording microphones, and it made Tommy sound much more tame than he actually is in real life. But the information he gave in this podcast, I found to be incredibly helpful to my own life. And one thing that I'll note is that I recorded these podcasts while I was still in New York, and I didn't listen to some of them until I went back a couple of months later. So hearing them later on, it was like me hearing them for the first time again. It it didn't feel like James Scully was recording that interview. It felt like someone else was. I'm getting the same kind of advice from these podcasts as you are when you listen to them. And I think that's wonderful for me as well as it's wonderful for you. Just to note again, you can reach Tom Moriello at officialtmori underscore on Twitter. And if you want to get all the information for all of the bars under the Gerber Bars header, I would suggest you going to gerberbars.com. That's G-E-R-B-E-R-B-A-R-S dot com. Tom's bar that he manages in particular is called Whiskey Park in New York City, is at 100 Central Park South, and that's New York, New York 10019 if you need to punch it into the address book somewhere on Google Maps. And the hours for Whiskey Park are Sunday through Tuesday, 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. Wednesday, they're open from 4 p.m. to 3 a.m. 
and Thursday through Saturday, they're open from 4 p.m. to 4 a.m. If you want to get in touch with Whiskey Park New York's Facebook page, go to facebook.com slash WPNYC. And they're having a great 80s movie Halloween party. If you're in New York City, be sure to check it out. Go tell Tommy that James Scully and the Wall Breakers sent you, and he'll be sure to treat you right. Next week on the podcast, we have the final interview of the season. This interview is with Stephen Atanasio. Stephen's topic is switching gears in your professional career and how to make it work. Stephen worked for Goldman Sachs and decided that he wanted to do something else with his life. So he left that professional world, bought himself a ticket on the Trans-Siberian Railroad, and right around the same time met a gentleman who was a World War II veteran and had such great stories to tell that Stephen actually sat down with him and recorded them and wrote them as a book. I've read the book. It is excellent. He's in the process of having it published at the moment, and he is somebody who I would absolutely consider a wall breaker, and this interview is particularly groundbreaking. I wanted to have it be the last interview of the season because it is so powerful that I think you guys will really enjoy it, and I think you'll get a lot from it. So next Thursday, be on the lookout for Season 1, Episode 6 of the podcast with Stephen Atanasio. And until then, guys, I want you to keep your hearts and your minds clear. I want you to keep searching for those passions if you haven't yet found them. If you've got any questions of me or of Lena Gonzalez, please reach out. You can reach us at any kind of social media, and I also have a public email, which is james at thewallbreakers.com. And I want to say thank you once again for all of the donations we have received. It has been incredibly heartwarming for me because you never know what to expect when you put yourself out there in the way that the Wallbreakers community and myself and Lena as individuals are at the moment. So thank you guys. I know that everybody's wallets are really tight right now. And whatever you guys have donated, a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, more than that, I really, really appreciate it. And I want you to know that it's not in vain. We will be paying this forward to you guys and to other people who don't even know of the Wallbreakers' existence just yet. So, just like I'm going to be doing this week, I want you guys to keep getting out there. I want you to keep breaking those walls. I want you to look in the mirror every day before you leave to go to work or to go out or to wherever you want to go that day. And I want you to say, damn it, I'm a wall breaker. And that means that I can do anything that I want to do because it's already in my heart and in my mind and in my fabric of a being. So keep getting out there, guys. Keep breaking those walls. And until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. my love to you over and over what more